welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest to another edition of professional hockey southwest weekly i'm scott strandy live in scottsdale arizona my co-host seth askelson from north phoenix is online with us it's another edition of the uh the popular professional hockey southwest weekly seth how are you this evening i'm good how about yourself I'm doing great. Uh, well, by my count, Seth, this is uh, week six in uh, what stay-at-home orders from the governor, and uh, I'm still surviving. Uh, I would like to see some sports pretty soon, but understand there's something going on with football coming up here in a couple of days, so that'll give us something. But how are you doing without your sports? I'm doing all right. Um, luckily, the uh, NFL has um, offered their NFL Game Pass for free up until May 31st, so been watching uh, 10 years worth of games kind of on and off. Uh, obviously, uh, YouTube has a great amount of hockey games uh, on the internet, old hockey games. So um, that's how I've been keeping the hockey fix. And then uh, playing video games, whether it be NHL 20 or Madden 20, uh, it's the only way you're going to get anything at least somewhat current. So uh, I've been surviving, and uh, I think we'll see something hopefully in the next few months. Well, it sounds like things are starting to break a little bit. We uh, we knock on wood when we say that because this uh, coronavirus is nothing to uh, take for granted. It's uh, it's something that uh, you know nobody really knows what's happening. But as things roll along, it's uh, you know starting to level out a little bit from what I hear. So that would be a good thing. I don't know how long it's going to be till we see action, game action. But I'm guessing we're going to see at least for a while without fans. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things is when you travel with a team, right? I mean, people think, oh, you know, it's just, you know, the 23 players, the coaching staff, the training staff, and maybe a couple of equipment managers. Well, you're taking broadcasters, you're taking, you know, media relations people, maybe a social media person, maybe somebody from marketing. Like, it's more than just. 50 people on a plane, right? Like it's some, especially if you're going to go to a neutral site, you're going to finish a season, you're going to do a playoffs. You're going to have to have all of those people in one spot. So, you know, if they say, okay, well, we're going to go play the rest of the season in North Dakota. Well, I don't know. We'd say maybe three or 500 people per team flying into North Dakota, you know, multiply that by 30 teams. Uh, you're going to have, you're flying in a lot of people, right? Like it's a lot of people. It's about, you know, that would be about 15,000 people. You'd be flying in to say Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, scientists have started to begin to understand just how fast and how contagious this disease can be. And, you know, one person having asymptomatic, being an asymptomatic carrier uh, can infect a lot of people. And I just, you know, unless they have, a treatment or a way to make sure that things don't get out of hand. And that's the thing is they're talking about, Oh, we'll go to these smaller towns and, you know, a little more isolated, but okay. Well, what if there's, you know, somebody in the NHL gets coronavirus and infects a lot of other teams and a lot of other people. And then all of a sudden you need five, six, 700 hospital beds for these players and, you know, staff, like it, it's just not feasible in a place like Fargo. So, um, uh, I just I don't see the season coming back. I know they really want to hand out a Stanley Cup. You're starting to get to the point. We talked about this last week, where Drew Doughty said that, you know, if they handed out a Stanley Cup this year, it wouldn't feel as special and all that. Like it's, you know, you 
players are starting to kind of turn on the idea of, do we really want to win a cup this year with the way this ended? I mean, I'm sure, you know, a team like Tampa and Boston and, and, you know, those teams that spent a lot at the deadline or spent a lot at the off season to contend and had really good seasons, you know, don't care. But, you know, I think you're starting to get some of these players and some of these teams that aren't necessarily, you know, clear cut Stanley cup favorites starting to feel maybe we should just call it off. So, um, I think sports without fans is a possibility down the road, but I just don't know how feasible it is getting everybody into one or two cities to try and finish a season that's been on pause for a month now. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's uh, like I said, I, I thought really at this point we should, uh, you know, maybe just take and, and put it on hold and, and uh, do something you know, for next year and let's make sure next year is, is off to the, the right start. Let's have, uh, you know, let's have the draft. Let's have the, the, the rookie camp. Let's have all that stuff start on time in July, if that's possible. And that would be my thought at this point, but you know what? I don't make those decisions. So we'll have to see what happens down the road. Um, you know, we got a great guest on tonight, uh, Seth. I just keep, keep digging around trying to find guys that we can bring on and, and Brendan Shaw is going to join us here in about eight minutes or so. And when we bring Brendan on, he's uh, got so much experience in the hockey world. He's a, uh, a tier two coach with the, uh, the uh, uh, Arizona junior coyotes up at the, uh, the ice stand in Scottsdale. So he's got, uh, you know, running, I think 16 new tier two. So he's got some of those guys that are just starting to make the moves and, and, and looking at college and things like that. He's also with uh, Rivals Media, so we'll ask him about Rivals Media and all the stuff they're doing out there and and just check in and see what the hockey world looks like from his perspective. So looking forward to that. Before we jump into that, though, um, you know, a lot of things have been happening off the ice. We talked about it before uh, that they'll uh, – teams have been doing stuff. You know, I see the Golden Knights now have arranged for a blood drive uh, on April 24th at City National – from 9.30 until 3 o'clock. And, you know, there's there's talk that maybe Ryan Reeves has signed an extension behind the scenes and nobody's really said anything about that yet. But any news from the Coyotes end of things that, that you want to break for us at all? No, there's nothing crazy. I think the biggest one that I saw, um, saw a story on Sportsnet about it was um, that the Coyotes haven't, uh, the Taylor Hall's agent has said the Coyotes have yet to make a contract offer um, there were reports that they were talking to both Taylor Hall and his agent. Now, I don't ever remember seeing that um, there was ever a contract offered, but um, I don't know. I, uh, some people on the internet, I mean, you know, the internet, right, Scott, it's very overreactive, right. you know, you, and, <laughs> you know, you and I are on the media side, right? Like when you're writing a headline, you want to write a headline that's so vague that people click, right? And a headline of Taylor Hall's agent has said the Coyotes haven't offered a contract. You're like, oh, you know, does that mean we're in peril <laughs> yeah. here? Or, you know, or does that mean they're close to maybe offering a deal? So um, people are like, well, how, how come the Coyotes haven't offered a contract? And, oh, they don't have the money. Like, you know, of course they're not going to be able to sign Taylor Hall. I just, you know, yeah. I'm not that concerned about that news, right? I'm not, like, freaking it. Now, if it was we're on a normal schedule and it's – July or June 29th, two days before free agency opens and oh, the Coyotes haven't even offered Taylor Hall a contract. I, yeah, I'd be okay. That's kind of serious, but uh, you don't even know when free agency is going to open if it even opens. Exactly. Time. So um, not that worried about it. I don't think very many teams, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Vegas and getting an extension to Ryan Reeves behind the scene, but 
you know, I don't think many teams are too concerned about adding more to their payroll at the moment. So, um, you know, that was the biggest news I think I saw, but uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. Right? I mean, it's one of those things. It's almost like a, a weird off season where it's that time in between, you know, the, the back half of free agency and right before training camp where, you know, you're just digging around for hockey stories, right? Like, right. just hoping your fingers <laughs> crossed that somebody's going to make a trade and, you know, nothing's going on. I saw tonight the Coyotes are airing game one of the 2012 Western Conference Finals on Fox Sports Arizona. So, uh, how good is that? Back half of that. Absolutely. Yeah, I might back half of that uh, after the podcast. So, um, I have a feeling they're going to, um, uh, air the 2012 playoffs again. They usually do that during the summer. Um, you know, when if the D-backs are on hiatus or whatever it may be, they'll air some of the 2012 classics on uh, Fox Sports Arizona. So um, be interesting to see if uh, what they kind of have in store uh, digging into uh, the old uh, archives. Well, and you know what? The other thing that's really great about uh, having a little downtime is you are hearing a little bit more about the uh, players themselves. Like, you know, the, the Vegas Golden Knights did a little uh, a feature on Max Pacioretty, and, and they're talking about all the guys that were injured and now are getting a chance to heal, and would they all be ready if the season does come back this year? And, of course, the answer to that is probably yes. It's a lot of downtime when you're talking six, seven, eight, ten weeks before anything would happen. But you know what? I, I saw our, our mutual friend, Andrew Bell, wrote a nice uh, Q&A with uh, Joey Decord of the uh, Ottawa Senators. So, you know, any, an NHLer, the first NHLer to sign uh, from Arizona State. So kudos to Andrew for a great, uh, great Q&A with Joey. Yeah, Andrew's a, he's a great reporter, and uh, he's, you know, done some stuff for us in the past. And, um, a guy who's really just like you, Scott, uh, tapped into the ASU hockey scene, right? Like you're at every game, he's at every game. I'm sure you two have, you know, sat uh, close enough together in the frigid ice box to, you know, almost <laughs> the point where you guys hate each other by the end of the season. So, um, well, yeah, one thing with Andrew, he always protects I, me from pucks, so that's always good there. <laughs> Well, that's good. He's got the mug to protect people from pucks, so he wouldn't be <laughs> sacrificing anything if he took one off the head. So, um, but yeah, he uh, doing great work, and um, I think it's really good to see Q and A's like that, right? Like Andrew, a rising star in the media, and Joey Decord, a rising star through the American League, uh, didn't have the prettiest of starts in the American League, if I remember. Um, had a sub nine hundred save percentage to start the year in Belleville, and. Um, but he really, uh, he turned it around and it, it's kind of weird. He got drafted to the senators and he was drafted at a time, you know, in the 2015 draft where Craig Anderson was at the peak of his career. Two years later, the senators were one goal away from the Stanley cup final. You're kind of like, Oh, you know, when is Joey Decord? you know, it might be a few years before Joey Decord even gets, you know, into, into action. But you know, his call to the NHL might be in a year or two, right? When things start back up, you take a look at his numbers. Um, again, weren't pretty early in the AHL. He went to the ECHL, played 12 games, uh, 285 goals against average, 901 save percentage. Not the greatest, right? Like, uh, might make you flinch a little bit, but in 24 games in Belleville, 261 goals against average, 915 save percentage. He's made 660 saves all year long and does have a shutout to go along with that. So, um, he's been really good in 1,400 minutes of play in the American League, and uh, glad to see uh, Joey Decord 
really start to come into his own um, step by step. Absolutely. And the program over at ASU just continues to get better. Their draft class is uh, draft class. <laughs> I'm still talking professional hockey, but uh, their uh, recruiting class coming in is extremely good. It's going to be unbelievable how they put that talent to use. So that's a show for tomorrow night. Uh, I do want to shout out that we are going to have Leanne Blinn on our show tomorrow night, the uh, strength and conditioning coach for the Sun Devils. So if uh, if you haven't listened to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, tune in tomorrow. Right now, though, let's stay focused with what Seth and I got. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Brendan Shaw and talk a little bit about Rivals Media, Junior Coyotes, and all that good stuff. And we'll be back in about two minutes. In 1998, Bell Road in North Scottsdale was barely more than desert landscape. Now, 20 years later, what a difference. Our programs have developed junior coyotes and Arizona Bobcats hockey players, elite figure skaters, as well as skaters that just want to have fun. Our partners prepare you on and off the ice, and we entertain you in the newly restyled 18 degrees. The Ice Den Scottsdale has been the official practice facility of the Arizona Coyotes and your home for hockey in the valley. The Ice Den, your home for hockey, skating, and most of all, fun. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, and we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Seth Askelson, my co-host, joining me from North Phoenix, Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I don't know if he's in Scottsdale or where he is right now, but Brendan Shaw is joining us here. Uh, the, you know, I don't even know where to start. Uh, Brendan and I have known each other for a little while now, and I know he follows what I do, and I follow what he does. So Rivals Media is one of his new things. I know he's a 16U Tier 2 coach coming up for uh, the Junior Coyotes this year. So, Brendan, do you have you on yet?
Okay, we're waiting for Brendan to uh, connect up with us here, um, and we should have him in just a second or so. We'll uh, we'll see if we can connect up with him. But uh, Seth, before we get Brendan on, uh, you know, the Junior Coyotes program is starting to churn out some pretty good talent. Yeah, and uh, some drafts to um, the WHL, and and that's the definition of a good program, right? And I think that's the growth you see is you're seeing a lot of kids come out of Arizona, whether it be college, whether it be, you know, major junior. Um, I think that's the ultimate goal of a lot of, you know, different uh, organizations around, around not only the Valley, but around the uh, country and all around the world. And when you take a look at, you know, how, how well certain junior programs have done in the U S right. I mean, everyone looks at the U S national development program and they've churned out unbelievable NHL talent, Clayton Keller, more, most specifically here in the U S. Um, but you also got to look at, at some of these other, you know, some of the smaller programs and being able to get those guys into the USHL or major junior or to the U S uh, national development team program. Uh, I think it just shows the commitment of not only the coaches and, and the staff and the kids in the program, but, you know, the Coyotes have their name attached to that. And I think 10 years ago, when uh, 10 to 12 years ago, when things were kind of going downhill financially and um, having a hard time finding that stability in the ownership role, uh, maybe the Coyotes just weren't out as out there um, as they could have been when it comes to that. But um, now with the stability of the owner, with a CEO like Aaron Cohen, they're really into uh, what they do in the junior coyotes. You're seeing how the Kachinas are taking off. So uh, good to see the junior coyotes really um, start to fly and, and really start to churn out uh, quality, quality kids, not only quality kids on the ice, but quality kids in terms of character and, and growing as adults. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that is down here from, from the time Austin Matthews was drafted number one overall in the NHL just a few years ago, I mean, you're starting to see kids from the desert Southwest get college, uh, you know, division one college opportunities. You're seeing them uh, prospectively be uh, draft picks. You're seeing uh, guys moving on to uh, USHL and NHL uh, places. So, they're definitely making some progress. Vegas is starting to do the same thing. And, and one thing we do know for sure is that Vegas is actually getting uh, their new building just continues to be built right through this whole pandemic. Uh, I keep seeing pictures all the time. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really strange how that works, but it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with the desert Southwest. Like I tell you every week is that every, um, you know, every, uh, uh, time that we have a show it, it's really impressive what's happened over the last five years uh, i understand we're gonna have brendan calling us in so seth i don't know if you'll be able to hear everything i don't think he'll be able to hear you but uh fire away a question when we have him on if you want to say something about uh, what he's doing and i'll be happy to relay it on i guess he's having a problem getting onto the app so perfect so uh, just your thoughts on, on what you're seeing growth wise uh from the, this area. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to reiterate what, what we talk about all the time. And, and I think it's worth talking about again, because so many uh, places just continue to do that. And I think we'll have Brendan here in just a minute. You're still with me, aren't you, Seth? Oh, 
Oh, sorry, Scott. I thought you were. Uh, I thought you had asked him a question. I no, I haven't got him. That. I haven't got him on um, yet. So uh, I, I think he's okay. calling in. So okay. we'll, we'll bring him in uh, on another phone line, and we'll give it a shot from there. So we'll put okay, him on sorry, speaker. Sorry, maybe maybe you'll hear him through here, but I don't know if he'll be able to hear you since yeah. I'm uh, on a headset. But okay, well, I'll have you. I'll let you ask the questions on that one, Scott. Uh, you're the one grabbing all the great guests and. Uh, Appreciate you having me all, all right. as a part of your network. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got Brendan on you, Brendan. You got Scott and Seth, and since we're doing this uh, speakerphone wise, uh, I don't know if Seth will be able to hear you, but welcome on. And how are things? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing real well. Now, you know, I don't know that I've talked to you about Rivals Media, so uh, let's start right there. Tell us about Rivals Media and what that's all about. Well, Rivals Media is a fan engagement platform that raises money for charity. Similar to a, you know, a 50-50 raffle, but we create live challenges for people to wager money, etc. to win prizes. So it's kind of like if you take your 50-50 raffle and you said, okay, who's going to win the opening face-off? Who's going to score first? You know, different types of challenges, prop betting type of scenario, but it all goes to charity. So we uh, we were well down the tracks. We put on a couple different challenges, different sports when all this hit, and then uh, live sports ended. So we've kind of pivoted into some really, really unique things over the last month. Well, you know, when I look on the site, I see you listed as the event production and strategic initiative. So I can't think of a better person for that because I know your creativity and the things that you can come up with. So how much fun are you having doing this? That's awesome. We are actually gamifying the NFL draft. That's what we've been working on for the last two weeks. So we, uh, we're creating a challenge on, you know, pick the draft picks. Are they going to trade the picks? What's the selection going to be? Is it going to be an offensive or defensive player? So you donate money, and then you get uh, chips. And then from the chips, you can wager, and then the winner gets once-in-a-lifetime prizes. So, for example, with what we were doing with MMA, the uh, person got to go to the fight and get backstage, get it away in, or we did something at the Winter Classic with Jeremy Roenick, and the winner got to go the all-star game and they got to do all kinds of different stuff so there's all kinds of different prizes that we together and so it's been really exciting really busy but we had to pivot very quickly because we were in discussions with eight different professional sports teams to provide our services and then live professional sports ended yeah yeah and basically the world as we know it changed because we just don't know where we're going to go from here, right? I mean, it's uh, this pandemic is uh, something we've never had to deal with, at least not in our lifetimes, and and we have no idea what's going to happen or how soon we're going to get it back. We hope it's sooner rather than later, but we don't know what it's going to be like. If there's going to be fans of all, uh, you know, at the games, or if they're going to be watching on TV, or what it's going to be. But it's interesting. I'm going. It's super interesting. So we've been working on the NFL draft. The other thing we did is we actually filmed some local professional athletes playing golf that we're going to create a charity challenge where you can wager on. We did something at True North two weeks ago where we had a full film crew 
you know, social distancing was required, but your film crew audio when we're producing a television show that we're going to be able to gamify at the same time. So using the predictive gaming aspect, but we did a golf event two weeks ago that we're trying to pick the network television right now, but also create a charity aspect. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. And you've, you've got some pretty, uh, some pretty big hitters uh, when you talk about it. I was just taking a look at it real quickly, but tell us some of the guys that are involved and, and are a part of this. Well, you have you know people like Jeremy Roenick, uh, Jerry Harrison Jr., Vinny Del Negro. You have a, a whole host of different people. You have executives. You have sports people. You know, it's just one of those things where as the world has pivoted, We've created an opportunity to create some different things. And we've had discussions with some of the, the local sport teams and the national, because now people are trying to gamify esports. I mean, the biggest thing with esports is, yeah, it's fun, but people don't know what to root for. So this gives them the ability to root for an outcome. So I'll give you a funny story where we did the gamified winter classic. One of the challenges was. Who's going to have the first icing of the first period? Now, as I would tell anybody, I've watched thousands of hockey games in my life, and I've never, ever watched who was going to have the first icing. <laughs> and it took 14 minutes. Uh, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, so, again, it's, it's just a way to keep people engaged, and that's what people want. They want, they want to have fun, they want to do certain things, and the way the world is pivoted with social media, but also smartphones. So there's different questions and there's cool ways to do it. And we're deep in talk with many, many different pro sports teams, whether it's hockey or football or baseball or basketball. But what it's done is it's created this fan engagement, but also for the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's get, we can get back to that in a minute if we got more to talk about on that. But right now, I want to talk a little bit about these uh, junior coyotes that you guys are producing up here in Scottsdale that uh, that are getting opportunities to go to uh, you know national team development camps, to go to USHL teams, to uh, you know possibly be drafted in the NHL draft, to uh, to all those good things. So I, I see you guys just put out your twenty twenty one coaches, which uh, you know it looks like an all star game list to be honest with you. How in the world do you guys continue yeah. to get good coaches like this? Well, it's come a long way. I mean, it, it, it's come a long way for myself being here for 20 years. And what's happened is more people are staying, more people are coming. I mean, the evolution of all the facilities across the, across the state has improved, which has created more depth, built more players, and built a viable business opportunity for people who want to move here as we build out this network and it's, you know, I sit back and think and, you know, it was interesting. What was it? Two months ago, one of my former players, Gage Quinney played his first game for <laughs> the Vegas full night. Exactly. You know, these kids just keep popping up and, you know, as they continue to move forward, there's just continues to be more opportunity. I look at a, a Matthew knees who was one of the top players, rookies in the USHL or, you know, Andrew Shortridge is, you know, on the verge of getting his first NHL start with San Jose. There's so many young players that are developing and exponentially growing. And 
that's the exciting part. And, you know, I'm excited for what has, you know, been the past, but also what's the future. And it just it continues to grow and move. And the fun part for me, as now a coach in my 20th year, is I'm constantly looking for former players who want to coach with me to kind of get them to launch. And, you know, that's really the future is, Sure. You know, when I was a kid, my, my coach worked at the GM plant and really never played home. Right. Yeah, I hear you. You know, so, so the evolution of what I was able to do to, you know, my former players to where my former players can are much smarter than I was at that time in life and can only expound more on, you know, what the opportunity is and what their knowledge base is. You know, when I look at, at at the list, you guys have so many different tiers, but I know you, uh, Ray Whitney is at the 16U Tier 1 level, correct? Yeah. And you're at the 16U Tier 2 level, which I was telling Seth before uh, before you came on that that's really an impressionable type of age, right? Because those kids are really starting to develop and really looking to set goals to, to go places. Is, is that the age, or are they starting a little earlier than that to, to develop those types of well, things? yeah, I mean, crazy part is really it's, it's a 13 now and you constantly wow. have to back parents down and say it's not a big deal it's going to be okay if they're recruited or if they're scouted it doesn't matter because they still have to continue to improve and I had a discussion with a parent two days ago telling the same thing saying well my kid needs to get looked at my kid needs to get scouted in the end even if you do get scouted or get drafted you still have to make the team right yeah so it's not the be all end all. There's a there's a long list of players that were drafted early that didn't make it, and there's a whole other list of players that were drafted and did make it. Yeah, absolutely. And and talk to us a little bit about the season for those that aren't very familiar with uh, with the Junior Coyote season. When does it start? When does it end? And and just tell us a little bit about where you guys go and what you do. Yeah, well, you know, as a state, you know, hockey really starts, I would say, mid-August. And this is kind of the big issue is we just kind of missed our tryout window. Right. Because what happens here in Arizona, tryouts are usually, you know, first, second week of May, then things get shut down and they kind of start back up, you know, second week of August, and then you go through the, the regional tournament, which is normally the second week of March, to the national tournament, which is the first week of April. So everybody missed those things. Right. Which is a huge disappointment. But people are constantly kind of pivot right now to say, okay, where are we at? I had a couple of phone calls this week with directors, and there's all kinds of different things happening with planning tryouts and scheduling, et cetera. But, you know, the season really goes August through mid-March. Okay, so you guys missed out on the tryout camp. So what's your contingency plan for this year now? Do you kind of know where you're going to be at? Are you hoping to have them uh, midsummer or as soon as you can? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's really what they're trying to figure out is where is this going to stop? And you can't just have tryouts. You have right. to have two, three weeks of a prep camp. It's so different than what they're talking about in the National Hockey League. It's, yeah, we can turn the switch off today, but it doesn't mean everybody's going to be ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... You know, and then if you don't, then you're going to talk about massive burnout because if you start in July and then you go straight through to March, then it's a whole other issue. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Um, 
as a former college player yourself and at the uh, USHL player yourself, and I know that's been years ago, but, but tell me what Arizona's, what the vision is from the outside looking at Arizona right now. Are, are there teams that are starting to go like, hey, there's some really good players here. We got we to gotta scout these guys. Oh, absolutely, without question. I mean, they're, they've known us for a long time. It's, it's for us, it's about building a deeper base, you know. Right. Ten years ago, we were sending five to six kids at every birth year to those higher levels, USHL, North American League, BC League, who are going on to college and pro. The biggest thing is now, can we get to 10, 15, 20? Because we have it. It's, 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 it's legitimate you know, athlete, but at the same time, can we build the talent pool so it's even bigger? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously you guys are called the Junior Coyotes, and we know that the Coyotes have uh, a footprint with you guys, but, but before the uh, the season came to a pause, what were your thoughts on the Coyotes franchise themselves with the new ownership and, and the players that they had and the, the fact that they were battling uh, for a playoff spot? What were your thoughts before the season paused? Well, it's very exciting. It, it's not just the development of the athletes, it's the commitment by the ownership and management to go out and get a Taylor Hall. You know, that, 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 that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened since really we went out and got a, a Ray Whitney. I mean, we, we kind of stopped as, a, as an organization because they weren't spending money on free agents, you know, getting Bill Kessel. I mean, this is a real commitment now to be successful, but they have now have the young people to develop and take that next step in their careers, the Clayton Kellers and the Christian Victors of Chickens of the world. So these guys are now, they're not just young players, they're going in their second, third, fourth years, you know, to add these pieces around them only just makes it more viable. You know, when, when it did pause and I looked at the way things were going, I was going like, wow, could there have been a worse time? I mean, the team is pushing for, for a playoff berth. And uh, in addition to that, the fan base was starting to become really engaged again, which I thought was extremely important. So in your estimation, uh, how bad is this going to hurt, this time of being down? Or, or do we not really have to even think about that? And when hockey's back, it's back, and things will pick right up. I don't think it's going to hurt because I think we built a base of – hockey fan you know they're not just coyotes fans these people are now hockey fans where 10 years ago there were many people that were just you know the word fan fanatic they were just there now they these people have kids who play and they're second generation and you know the core group of players is fans. They're young adults now. The, the kids that were born in the late 80s who are now adults who have children. The Coyotes are their team. It's not it's their second team. It's not their Blackhawks or Red Wings fans. They're, they are Coyotes fans and they're, they're, you know, they're part of the fabric of the community. So it's not, uh, it's not something that I worry about because I believe that we've really increased the fan base by becoming hockey people. It's not you know, walking around with skates on in dirt and desert that people <laughs> always thought about. Right. You know, when, when we talk about professional hockey, the, the, the step below that, of course, the uh, the NCAA program, and I know you uh, are able to follow the NCAA program here at, at ASU as well, but 
just your thoughts on how quickly that has blossomed into a uh, very, I almost dare call it a blue blood in the next couple of years in, in college hockey. What's your thoughts on what Greg Powers is doing over at ASU? Yeah, I'm blown away with what's done. You know, he and Mike and Alex, and they've done such a good job, but they, they've made it. They've become viable very, very quickly, which is something I was very surprised at. It just takes time. And, you know, it takes time to become, you know, just a competitor, but also what the, the challenges they're dealing with. They don't have a lead. Their travel, is, you know, is very challenging. And, but they got commitment, and they've moved up the food chain at ASU very quickly to where they're one of the premier sports today major college yeah absolutely no doubt about that uh so you played your college hockey out in massachusetts right and you uh you know what that's like and, and when they talk about um having a conference to get into a lot of people have talked about asu maybe going out east maybe jumping in uh in a conference and playing boston college and umass and all those places out there your thoughts on uh on what that would look like or would you prefer them to stay out here and maybe maybe playing a conference that, that was a little closer to home? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, continuity is good, but I also think there's benefit in what Greg has done because he has the flexibility to pick his own schedule where those conferences really don't. You have, I think they have four or six games that they can choose from every year, but the rest is already set. What I would really like is somebody that's been doing this in the West for the last 20 years is I really want to see a buy-in from the Texas University of Texas or UCLA or USC or Oregon. I mean, there's a lot of money there and there's a lot of opportunities to build this out because the players are here. They're just going elsewhere. Right. It's, yep. no, dif it's no different than when we started PF Chang's in 2007. It was all the best players were leaving town to go play Mitchie AAA in Dallas or Detroit or Chicago. We made a commitment and said, okay, we're going to build the best possible program so you don't have to leave home. There's no reason that Pac-12 doesn't begin to move forward. Yep, I hear you. Well, Coach Powers tells me every time I ask him about uh, the expansion in the NCAA, he said, you really need about three or four things, right? You need to have uh, finances, obviously. You need to have a connection with your athletic director and university. Uh, you need to have, uh, obviously, a building. And probably fourth, and he talks about this an awful lot. I think it's a lot to do with his, uh, his fact that he won an a, a ACHA national championship. But he always says, you know, he thinks it's very important that you have a competitive team at that level or at the closest level to NCAA. How important do you think that is, really? Is If you had the other three, is being competitive right away uh, important? Or what's your thoughts on that? Oh, it, it's huge. And that's the one thing that he and I have always talked about is culture. It's hard where, yeah. you know, you take a kid who has an opportunity to choose a school that's in the middle of winter, nine months a year, come to ASU. It's, it's like, okay, how have I found the right player that still wants the elite, or are they just coming here because of the campus and the weather? Are they serious about getting better, or are they just here to be here? And, and the Coyotes dealt with that for a long time, where guys were like, well, you know, 
I'm going to go sunset my career and go out and play in Arizona and I'll play golf during the day and I'll play hockey at night. And that's something they really had to overcome. And I, I think that's one thing that, that Greg has really done well. He's built a culture very quickly. You know, I was in a very similar position when I was in college where when I was at UMass, we were at the same type of thing. We were a expansion college program and, you know, I remember talking to my buddies at BU and BC and their experience is much different than mine because they had juniors and seniors to lean on when we were like, oh, we're just going to figure out how to make this work. And that's the biggest thing. The culture is so, so important. Yeah, I think he's done a terrific job of doing that. I mean, this is his first graduating class that didn't even get a chance to play uh, or see their season end on their own terms, uh, the way things ended. But uh, the class that he's bringing in, I think, is fantastic. And, you know, getting back a little bit to your junior Coyotes, tell us, uh, if you can, uh, about a few players that, that are standouts that we should keep our eyes on, um, not only for the uh, the college ranks, but maybe as potential NHL draft picks. You got anybody on the top of your head that is jumping out at you? you, you yeah, you look at, you know, Matthew Knights, you look at Josh Doan, David Heimovich is another player. I mean, there's there's a you know there's a real movement with what's happening. Uh, you know, I've, I've been able to watch uh, Teddy Merrill, who's an 05. So you're talking about you know I just gave you 02s, 03s, 04s, 05s. I mean, there's a there are a lot of kids coming through the system, and you know last year I had the good fortune of coaching the 06s. But you know as we continue to move forward, I mean that's the sign of a good program. It's not one year, one group of kids, do you have organizational depth to continue to move that forward? But there's a, there's a long, long list of players that are coming and that's, you know, kids make each other better. And if you do a good job of playing them with and against each other, it doesn't matter. We're all going to improve and that's the exciting part and with the, the coaches and the development. It's a very exciting time for Arizona hockey. And it's not just at the junior coyotes. That's across the board. The improvement is, is huge. You know, and, and I know you're specifically here in Scottsdale and working this. We covered the desert Southwest. So I always like to kind of compare and contrast a little bit. And I think you're good at doing this for me, but tell me a little bit about what you've seen in Vegas and the growth with not only the ice sheets, but the competitive level from the NHL, now soon to have an AHL and some junior teams that you guys compete against and, and, and such. But how is Vegas becoming a real viable youth program as well? Well, I think so. I mean, Vegas was viable up through, I would say, the 93 birth year. And then they kind of took a real step back. And now they've, you know, because Gage Pliny, Gage Pliny was a 95. He came down to Arizona to play because there was just, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but they, they took a step back and now they've taken a real step forward. And now there's new commitment with more practice facilities. You're talking about this American League team, which is a whole nother facility. I mean, that market is hungry, but, it, it, you know, selfishly, it only helps us because it limits our travel. If we have another spot that we can drive to, right? we can get more games at less cost and help each other grow. Yep, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, I, I tell everybody that'll listen to me. Uh, when I started this five years ago now, I, I looked at it and I said, this is going to be a growing market. You know, you've been here for 20 years. I've been here for 25 years, but haven't really been almost 30 years now. But uh, 
the growth at ASU is what really got me back into the hockey part. But growing up in northern Minnesota and going to University of Minnesota Duluth, and you know, I knew that the hockey circles, but I was just waiting to see it really blossom down here. And I think over, especially over the last five years, man, oh man, I could not have imagined it going uh, any bigger than it's gotten at this point. Well, and the cool part is, like, you look at, I don't know if you read this, but Ken Campbell with the hockey beats out here. He's like, oh, I, I was out here one weekend, and I, I played pickup hockey at Oceanside. <laughs> I did see that. Canada. I mean, that's, that's what people are realizing. My buddies and I would always laugh, you know, over the last 10 years. We'd have a guy show up and be like, hey, I'm from Canada. I know a lot more than people <laughs> about hockey. You know, it's like, okay, we have... 25 guys that are elite level people, whether it's NHL, college, or whatever. But what people have come to realize is this is a actually becoming a mature hockey market. It's just it's not as dense as some areas. So whether it's pickup hockey, adult hockey, youth hockey, parent, the market is now expanded to where no different than the referees or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a burgeoning, growing market. Totally agree with you, my friend. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Have I missed anything on you? I know you're doing something all the time. Well, what have I missed? Have I missed anything? Rivals, media, junior coyotes? I'm going to tell you right now that uh, I officially today just agreed to also help with the Kachinas. See, I knew there had to be something. I knew there had to be something. Because I have a five-year-old daughter. There you go. Really wants to get into hockey. And I was fortunate enough to have coached Lindy Fry and Matt Shot when they were kids. And I told them, I said, I will help you with whatever you need. They said, well, do you want to coach? And I said, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to get involved. Because I feel the women's program is no different than we started PF Chang with Tier 1 just got to keep moving forward and you got to be committed. And I'm, I believe in what those two are doing. You know, I had, a, had a great conversation with Katie McGovern the other day. And I remember when she was very young and I coached her brother, Ed, who played at ASU. Right. You know, it's an exciting time. But, you know, selfishly, I got a five-year-old daughter that tells me, Dad, I want to play hockey. Yep. You got to do it. So I'm excited about that. So... That is official as of this morning, but I'm also going to help with the changes, and I'm very excited to do that. Well, we love to hear that breaking news. That's uh, that's always good stuff. Like I said, be safe out there. Continue to keep working that program. Let's hope that with the stuff, uh, this coronavirus stuff kind of clears up and gets things back to, even if it's a new normal, it's a normal, and get us back on the ice again. Yeah, I appreciate you guys and what you're doing, and as you know, whatever I can do to help you, uh, please always reach out. Brendan Shaw, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. We will be right back in just a minute. Seth Askelson and I will rejoin you to uh, wrap up another edition. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. 
Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we're back. Seth Askelson is still with me. Seth, I know you weren't able to jump in with any questions there, but just your thoughts on uh, the the man that Brendan Shaw is and the experience that he has in the hockey world. Yeah, that experience is exactly what's needed down here in the desert southwest. It's like he mentioned, there's always Canadian guys who would come in, and uh, you know, I might be just a little too young for it, but when I, you know, when I turned eighteen and started playing pickup hockey. Yeah. It was kind of that attitude still, right? Like, Oh, here's this Canadian guy. Like I know the most, like you guys have no idea how to play hockey down here. And then, you know, he's the slowest one on the ice, me included. So, um, you know, when, if you're slower than me on the ice, you're in trouble. So, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that's a guy that really wants hockey to work in both Arizona and in Vegas. Right. Like I, like he said, he understands like it's got to work in Vegas because, you know, even if you're only looking from for, at it from a selfish perspective, it's that's less cost for us and more games for us and a more chance for, you know, his kids, you know, whoever he may coach, whether it be the junior coyotes, whether it be the Kachinas, you know, he seems like he'll coach anybody that'll lace up the skates. You know, it's a chance for them to get better and develop and turn into great hockey players. So um, a great guy with a great attitude on hockey in Arizona. He's not there just because, oh, it's something to do on his weeknights or, oh, he, he wants to stay involved in hockey, but, you know, just just wants to coach and maybe using that as a stepping stone to coach. No, he seems very committed um, to the Valley and very committed to making sure uh, the youth players in Arizona not only turn out to be great hockey players and great people, but get the great opportunities that uh, hockey players on the East Coast get, like college, like USHL. Um, like major juniors and all that. Well, I sh- I'll shout this out to anybody that's listening to us uh, right now that get to uh, juniorcoyotes.org. Take a look at the coaches that they have in place for 2020-2021 season coming up. And uh, if you don't think that's a who-who of not only caliber players but caliber coaches, um, you know, th- that makes it all worth it to say you're from the desert southwest and you see that because these guys are, are for real. Um, it's more than just, uh, uh, you know, coming out, like you said, just for a few hours to help out. These guys live it, man. Right. And they want to see kids progress. They want to see, you heard what Brendan said about, um, you know, they've always had kids that have advanced, but they want more kids instead of five, they want 10 or 15. And all that's going to do is grow the desert Southwest, which is what we're here for. Right. Uh, our mission is to grow the game of hockey in the desert Southwest and, you know, every time I, I get a chance to talk with somebody like that, it's just so impressive. But tell me just a little bit more about what you think, um, not so much about what's going to happen with this paused NHL season, but where the Coyotes were. I know we, we kind of bring this up all the time, and I give the Coyotes a lot of credit and the Golden Knights for that matter because they're replaying games, they're, they're engaging people uh, and their fans, and they're trying to stay everybody, keep everybody engaged, even though there's no real games going on. So... How, how proud and how happy are you to see that they continue to do that, even in this, what's now six weeks of downtime? Yeah, that's exactly what you have to do when things like this happen, right? I think in the last lockout, uh, the Coyotes weren't very popular, right? Like the Suns were in the prime of their um, career, or, you know, the prime of their 2000s run, and the Cardinals, uh, their stadium was being built, so there was a buzz around them, and 
Um, you know, the Diamondbacks were just three years removed from World Series, and all of a sudden, now that with the Coyotes um, in fourth place in terms of popularity, but then their entire season gets canceled, so everybody just forgets them. So right. uh, it's great that they, you know, they're. It, it helps that they're on an even playing field in the sense that nobody's playing right now, right? No D-backs, no Suns, no Cardinals. Like they're on an even playing field, and the fact that they're keeping their fan base engaged. Um, they're doing zoom calls that, you know, they post and, you know, of players talking and they're doing the EA sports simulations and uh, they're continuing to engage with their fans is really big. So uh, it keeps their name out there. Uh, if you're the coyotes, you're almost at the point of, uh, no press is bad press. And in terms of like, look, if, if they're saying our name, that's what matters. Right. I saw the, um, Minnesota, the, I believe it was the, uh, Star Saint Tribune, Paul Tribune, the Star Tribune, yeah, Star, which Star Tribune, uh, yep. <laughs> voted the Coyotes Kachinas the ugliest sweaters. Um, and I have a beef about the Kachina sweater in a moment, but I, I do want to shout out um, Sarah McClellan, who does work for the Star Tribune, used to cover the Coyotes for AZ Central, yes. uh, does yep. a great job uh, covering the wild. Now she was a really good help in my career. She looked at a couple of my stories about the coyotes was a great help. So just wanted to shout her out. So, um, she, I'm not saying she's not involved in this star tribune tweet. So, um, hopefully (laughs) nobody's ever given her a hard time. But the thing about the Kachinas for me is I like them. I enjoy them, but I remember, ah, goodness, as recently as five, six, seven years ago, people called them ugly. People were like, yeah, that was a great choice to move away. They're ugly sweaters. And look, I'll give credit to the Coyotes. They brought them back right into the mainstream. They made them popular. People love them again. But uh, there's some people that uh, I remember five, six years ago that said those were ugly jerseys. So, you know, people are giving the Star Tribune a real hard time. But uh, five years ago, that they were they wouldn't be too far off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, right now, the players love it. I mean, you hear a lot of players commenting on how much they like to put those on on what is it, Saturday night, Kachina nights. And you, you also hear a lot of the fans, when, they, when they're when they asked about them, they want to buy that jersey. They, You know, we have a whole women's program, girls program right now called the Kachinas. And I think what people are finding out, and maybe it's this younger generation that that is now grown up with the Coyotes that's saying, hey, that's, that's a little bit of our Arizona heritage when you see the Kachina on there. I, I don't know how much that plays into it, but I got to feel like it plays some into it. Yeah, and it's brand recognition, right? Look, if you have a great jersey, people are going to notice. The Blackhawks, the Bruins are known <laughs> yeah. for having simple yet classic jerseys. The Red Wings are the same thing. You know, the Red Wings are the worst team in the league by a mile and a half and haven't been very good in the last three years. I still see an unbelievable <laughs> amount of people, kids, wearing Red Wings jerseys because of how simple and, and how clean they look. You build a brand with the Kachinas. That's, I think at some point um, the Coyotes are going to go back to the Kachinas. I, you know, I, I, people are really clamming, clamoring for them. They have Kachina Saturdays. Um, and I think part of the reason they moved away from it was, you know, they were getting a new arena, uh, in Glendale. So they figured, you know, why not change the branding now as we're moving in to a new home? Fine, I guess. But I think at some point they go back to the Kachinas. I think what makes it really hard though, um, is you wear white on the road now. Um, and I really like the white Kachina jerseys. I think those look better than the black ones. And, um, I think some people really like the white ones too. So, you know, you always want to wear your best jerseys at home. Um, so that could be 
uh, a difficult choice, but I think they should. I think you remember, I have one of these jerseys in my closet. I'm looking at it as I speak, but the, uh, the alternate <laughs> ones with, that were green right. with the desert um, scenery, I still right. think those are the best Coyotes jerseys to ever be manufactured. I know I'm very wrong with a lot of different people, but <laughs> all I know is, is, is that's, that's the jersey they really need to bring back. Well, let me tell you, with that particular jersey, I think you stand out, right? I mean, everybody knows where you're from. You're from the desert southwest, right? And you're not from Vegas. You're not from Tucson. You're not from, you know, uh, Bakersfield or wherever. You're from Phoenix because that stands out as a Phoenix jersey, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the, the moon, the three-quarters moon, the cacti, um, the desert mountains, right? Like, yeah, sure, you know, Vegas has mountains, but the cacti is really specific to Arizona. It's like you said, you, you can't mistake that. You can't mistake what that scenery is. You have to be um, very uh, geographically ignorant to mistake that for any other place other than Phoenix. So, um, But I also think just like the Kachina jerseys throw it back to the Native American heritage and um, the style of the Native Americans here in Arizona, I think that jersey um, – really shows the scenery of Arizona, right? People always clamor about the sunsets and how beautiful it is in the nighttime with the cacti and, and the desert landscape and all that. I, you know, not, the Gachina jerseys really do bring out the great Native American history and culture in Arizona. But that third jersey, the green one with the desert landscape, really brings out you know, just exactly what the scenery and, and the landscape is like um, in Phoenix and, and some of the different areas around the state. Totally agree with you, my friend. As we wrap up this episode, uh, I do want to mention that um, the uh, basically the shutdown for the NHL is definitely until April 30th. I'm guessing we'll hear something more uh, soon on, on what's going on there. But, you know, uh, I don't know how long it's going to take these guys to get fired back up again now. I mean, this is six weeks, right? April 30th will be seven, eight weeks. Uh just your gut thoughts on is it realistic, Seth? Is it realistic to think that these guys are going to be able to get back in, get trained, uh, play a few games, and then go to the playoffs? I mean, is that really realistic? No. And it's not realistic if you are going to have a full next season, right? Like they've talked about, oh, right. we want to finish the cup and have a full 82 game season. That's at this point, it's not realistic, right? Like it. It's just like with the lockout. Like the longer this goes, the more you're going to have to be willing to cut your season down. And look, when hockey comes back, when sports comes back, uh, those tickets are going to be outrageous, Scott. You and I might be watching uh, from home um, because <laughs> it's going to be a couple hundred dollars to get into a sporting event because it's been taken away for so long. And um, well, let's hope they don't so do that even, to the press box. <laughs> oh, I hope not. I, I don't think they would, but uh, I mean, we we run into some celebrities up there every time we go up there, right? I mean, Paul Bissonnette, absolutely, with the he's built, and um, you know, we're definitely uh, on the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to that. We're building ourselves, Scott. Don't get us wrong. Hopefully, we'll be in that upper, <laughs> upper echelon of Arizona hockey media soon. But um, you know, it's going to be one of those things where people are going to want to go back. And that's, that's been the concern, right? Well, you know, the, the revenue isn't there. This isn't a lockout. This isn't a, Oh, you know, the players are fighting with the owners and fans are getting really indifferent. This is fan. You know, if they said, okay, hockey starts again tomorrow, uh, those tickets would be sold out in 10 minutes. So, you know, I, if they're worried about the revenue aspect of that, look, you're going to make it back. It, I think the best way to do this is you finish the season, 
this, you know, this year's season once, you know, whether you do it in front of fans or not. And then you just kicked right back up in, in January, like you did in that lockout season, have a, a 48, a 50 game season, and then just get back to normal schedule. Yep. Well, I mean, I, uh, like I said, I, I threw out my proposal earlier. We uh, differ a little bit on it. I think they should just forget about it all right now and say coronavirus one and, uh, and we're going to start up next season and uh, just leave it where it is. I mean, it, it had, it ended for everybody at the same time, no matter where you were. So we'll see what happens. Seth, thanks again for joining in all night. Uh, I, I love having you on on Monday nights because you really give us some great perspective and, Thanks again to Brendan Chop for stepping in with the Junior Coyotes and uh, Rivals Media. Really some cool stuff that he's got going on with that, with that as well. So tune in there. Get to RivalsMedia.com. Check out all the things that they're doing. Uh, uh, you know, things are changing uh, on and off the ice. So until next week, let's, uh, let's say goodbye with a little uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and hello, new day. Scott, you still there? Yep. Hey, real quick, I wanted to make this one piece. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't want to, you know, yeah. cut your exit out early, but I did want to make this note as well. Uh, Matt Lehman, about eight hours ago, uh, ASU alum, I had a chance to work with him, tweeted out, uh, retweeted the senator's tweet, but um, former Coyotes CEO Anthony LeBlanc is now uh, the president of oh. business operations of the Ottawa Senators. So I wanted to mention I when you asked that. about thanks news, for that, I yeah, can, thanks for bringing that in. I completely spaced. So, <laughs> no yeah, so LeBanc um, in there. And, and it's going to be interesting because, remember, the senators hired um, a president of business operations, and he was gone within three months. Now, LeBlanc uh, isn't known for his fiery temper, um, right. but uh, he's a great man, really helped kind of steer the Coyotes through some tough times financially, and uh, hopefully he has great success in Ottawa. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up, Seth. I did see that earlier today, too, from Matt's tweet, and uh, that's uh, that's good news for, for him because I know Anthony LeBlanc really wants to uh, to be involved in hockey. It's good that he's back in there. Yeah, it's great to see that. All right, folks, until next week, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is off the air.